Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. Welcome to the lift. Get ready to take a ride. <laughs> tweet, tweet! Are you a birdie? Do you like to Twitter and tweet? Come find us on Twitter at Victoria's Lift. Tweet, tweet! Hello, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 10 of The Lift. I'm Daniel Foytek, and I thank you for listening. We're excited to have you along for another ride with Victoria, and hope that you're all safe, healthy, and taking care of each other with kindness, and, as Victoria always urges her visitors, doing your best to choose to be your best self. It's okay to be angry. We've been through a lot. But things will get better. We're all presented with many choices these days. Stay brave, and always choose love and hope. As you'll hear in today's tale, self-centered narcissistic behavior and embracing dishonesty and deception never ends well for anyone involved. As always, before we get started today, a big thank you to those who are supporting the show. Without you, this show would not be possible. On behalf of our authors and everyone else involved in making the show, a sincere thank you for your support of this show and of independent horror fiction. If you're not already supporting the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Victoria's Lift. Thank you also to those of you who took the time to rate us five stars and write a short review for us on iTunes. Your ratings do help others find the show. And of course, Victoria loves getting gold stars. Victoria wanted me to remind you that our first written anthology, The Lift, Nine Stories of Transformation, is available for you to own. In fact, today's story is based on a tale from that collection. The book also features beautiful cover art and illustrations by Jeanette Andromeda, as well as some extra goodies and bonus features. It's a fantastic collection, and we know you'll want to add all nine stories contained within to your own building. Get yours now at victoriaslift.com forward slash read. Today's episode features a tale written by Scarlett R. Algy and told by Sarah Ruth Thomas who narrates and takes on the roles of every female character in the story. Aside, of course, from our girl Victoria, played as always by Amber Collins. Our tale is accompanied by a custom score written by our resident composer, Nico Viteze of We Talk of Dreams. Please, if you enjoy the story, seek out and buy Scarlett's work. It keeps her writing more. You can learn more about Scarlett and find links to her work on her bio page at Victoria's Lift. Com. Now, let's go for a ride. Let's go for a ride. My name is Victoria. I have lost so much. My name is Victoria. I am bound to this place, charged with guiding those who must choose. Don't be afraid. I can never again be the little girl I was. I have my music box and a library lost, but I sometimes feel very alone. Won't you join me? It's time for your ride on the lift. <laughs> Don't be afraid. trek from her parking space to the hospital's front entrance is a steep uphill climb. It's raining. She's wearing two-inch heels, and her husband is almost certainly on his way after her. Karina runs. She has no choice. Not after that phone call. Karina's in the kitchen when her cell phone rings. She'd staggered out of bed at 4.30 this morning, to make sure Eric was on his way to the airport within the hour, to catch his 7 a.m. flight to Denver. He can't afford to miss this meeting with the board of directors, 
not when he's due for a promotion. She slumps at the kitchen table with her coffee as soon as he's safely out the door, and that, of course, is when the ringing starts. She scowls at the muffled, chiming ringtone. She doesn't know where the thing is. After bustling to get Eric to his plane, she's lucky she knows where her head's at right now. But as she weaves into the living room and sinks into the couch to catch her breath, she feels movement between the cushions, and the ringing gets louder. There it is. She fishes out the crystal-adorned pink case with the large letter J on the back and stares at the number on the screen. It's not one she recognizes, and she starts to tap Decline. But it's got the area code of her hometown, and that's enough to make her pause. She doesn't want to think who'd be calling from there at six in the morning, and she ignores the noise to turn the case over in her hand. It had been Eric's attempt at a gift for their last anniversary. Jay, for Juliana, he'd said with glee, oblivious to the fake smile she'd plastered on at the sound of that name. The fake smile she's worn for four years. The case looks like a tween's bad attempt at bedazzling. The phone's still ringing. Karina sighs. It should have gone to voicemail by now. She flips her hair back and grudgingly thumbs, accept. Hello. She doesn't make it a question. The voice on the other end is male and faintly hoarse. Hello. Karina Lopez? The sound of her own name makes her grit her teeth. Look, whoever you are, I think you have the wrong number. This is the Kinshaw residence. No, ma'am. Listen, Miss Lopez, we don't have much time. I'm Tom Riley from Gray Macy Hospital in Bentonville. It's about your sister, Juliana. Anger blossoms hot in Karina's chest. No. No. Not now. I don't have a sister. Really? To his credit, Tom Riley doesn't sound surprised. We found your name and number on a card in her wallet, clearly labeled Next of Kin. Of course it would be. Karina grabs at the couch's upholstery, digging in her nails as black encroaches on the edge of her vision. Karina, are you sure you don't have a sister? She swallows. Her mouth is dry with the aftertaste of burnt coffee. Tell me what happened. Car accident. Your sister was driving drunk. I'm sorry I couldn't call sooner, but she's in emergency surgery now. Is she going to make it? Karina can't bite her tongue fast enough. Maybe. We don't know yet. She was lucid a little before and asking for you. You should get here as fast as you can, just in case. Mr. Riley, I'm Juliana Lopez Kinshaw, Karina answers, trying to cover the slip and get some kind of composure back. I don't know what kind of sick mix-up this is, but I'm not my sister. Besides, I'm two hours away across the state line. I don't know if I can even make it, so... Cry. A harsh edge creeps into Tom Riley's voice. Miss Lopez. Mrs. Kenshaw. Whatever you call yourself. She told us quite a lot before she went under. She's told us everything. So... We'll do our best to keep her alive until you can get here. But you'd better hurry. Karina tosses the phone aside and puts her face in her hands. So this is it. She's finally been caught out. She leaves the house without packing a bag. She hadn't called Eric, still waiting to board until she was 20 miles away on the interstate. Look, baby, don't freak out, but I have to run back home. It's my sister. There's been an accident. Oh my god, Karina? Yeah, Karina. That's terrible. I'll cancel the flight and I'll get there right now. No, Eric, no. You can't miss that meeting, and I'll be fine. The staff guy who called said she was asking for me, so she's talking. It can't be that bad probably just shook her up and tore up the car. You know how she always was. Let me know what's going on as soon as you know. Of course I'll let you know as soon as I find out something. Just don't fall out of the sky, okay? 
It was the closest thing they had to an in-joke. I love you too. Be safe. Karina reaches the hospital entrance and stops to catch her breath. She checks her phone. No calls. No texts. That's good, right? Just as Karina's about to step close enough to trigger the automatic doors, a nurse comes strolling out into the cool morning air. There are dark splatters on her dull lavender scrubs, and Karina starts to approach her, question her, when the woman's hair catches her eye. It's red. Red like a carrot. Red like... The doll Juliana had gotten for their seventh birthday. Long red curls framing a porcelain-perfect face. Big blue eyes that closed or opened as she was moved. Checkered blue gingham dress and neat black shoes with white stockings. Karina had picked at her cake, sullenly clutching the sidewalk chalk set that was her own present. Corey's too clumsy to be trusted with anything so delicate, her mom had said. And something had shifted in her, made her snap her plastic fork down and lunge at Juliana, punch her sister in the face and snatch the doll, bolt up the stairs to their shared bedroom and hide under the bed with her stolen prize. Hot tears of rage streaking her face as her parents' shouts drifted up from downstairs. It's not fair! Julie always gets the best stuff. It's not fair. It's not... It's not fair, Karina whispers in the here and now, making the nurse turn back and eye her quizzically. She steps forward as the double doors slide open, wafting out the tang of tile cleaner and stale cafeteria food. It's never been fair. She's going to be in trouble. She's going to be in so much trouble. Karina makes it inside to the lobby and stops to stare. This doesn't look like the hospital she remembers from having her appendix out at 12. The smell is right. Bleach and wax and day-old fried chicken. But the look is all wrong. Gramercy Hospital's never been this clean, Never had wicker furniture and fronded plants and brass pots. Never had parquet floors she could see her reflection in. Never been this quiet. She scans the space. No one else is here. There's faint noise just on the edge of her hearing. Voices. Machines beeping. But no one at all sitting at the admission cubicles or in the wicker chairs. When there ought to be at least a couple dozen people in here overflow from the ER waiting room. They've remodeled, she thinks. It's the sort of thing her mother would have loved. Somewhere nearby, a man clears his throat, <clears throat> grabbing Karina's attention. She follows the sound to an information desk, long and polished, looking like something out of a 1920s hotel. The man sitting behind it is tall and slim, with sandy hair and pale blue eyes. At the sight of her, he lays down the book he's reading. Karina Lopez, the truth, please. <sighs> Fine. Yes. Though it really is Kinshaw, if you must know. Are you Tom Riley? Can you tell me anything about my sister? Is she- One thing at a time. He answers, smiling, but not far enough for it to reach his eyes. I'm Tom, yes. Miss Lopez came out of recovery 40 minutes ago. I tried to call, but it never rang on your end. Anyway, she's in a room. Kind of in and out. You understand, given the anesthesia. But she's still with us. Still asking for you. Tom gets to his feet, gesturing for her to follow him. Let me show you the way. You'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. Karina's too numb to do anything but nod, until he leads her past the clearly marked elevators. Wait... Don't tell me she's down here on the first floor. Tom shakes his head. Just follow me. Consider this a shortcut to where you need to be. She frowns, but follows him. There's a left turn past the elevators that leads to the back hallway, and here, the shiny newness stops. The sage paint is flaking in spots, and the parquet has given way to worn brown carpet. 
must be where the remodeling money had run out. Do you work here? I'm a volunteer. Tom leads her around another corner, and they're standing in front of an elevator Karina's never seen before. The outer doors are ornate, open-work bronze. It's in keeping with the old hotel look, only without the polish. The inner doors are open, and the light inside has a greenish cast. Karina has to wonder if it's safe. The whole thing looks rickety. Mr. Riley, Tom, is this some kind of secret staff elevator? If you like. It's not Tom who answers, but a little girl stepping out of the dim, open elevator car. She can't be more than nine or ten, if Karina's guessing right. The green light casts odd highlights on the child's blonde curls and gleams on her black patent shoes. Her dress, purple and frilled as if it's made to match the retro renovation, stops a bit below her knees. Tell me, you got her here. Good. Just in time, too. You got her here. What's that mean? What the hell? Excuse me. Did you say something, Mrs. Kenshaw? Karina? May I call you Karina? The girl executes a neat little bow. Oh, where are my manners? Call me Victoria. I'm here to take you the rest of the way. To my sister? You. (laughs) What? This place lets kids volunteer now? Behind her, Tom murmurs. Victoria's not quite what she seems, Karina. Then he adds to the girl. Need me to come along? No, Tommy, thank you. You get back to your reading. I'll take Mrs. Kenshaw from here. Or is it Karina? You never said. That's... That's fine. What kind of act is this? I'm here to see my sister, damn it, not waste time. Tom walks away, back the way they'd come. It's no act, Karina, Victoria says pleasantly, though her expression is calculating and shrewd, far older than the child she seems to be. Time works a little differently right now. You see, Juliana's been quite vocal about you. When she could be. So, I've decided you need a little time to think about some of the things you've done before you see her. Or, more importantly, before your husband sees her. Eric. Karina's heart sinks and she grabs for her phone. Still no messages or missed calls. Good. If he's decided to be foolish and come after her, he hasn't caught up yet. Victoria gestures for Karina to enter the elevator. Follow me, please. She catches Karina's skeptical look and holds out a hand. Please, I assure you the lift is perfectly safe. And besides, from what your sister says, you probably have quite a few things to reflect on. So let's not, as you say, waste time. Karina walks grudgingly into the car trying not to scowl again. The floor feels perfectly solid under her feet, even if there's no inspection certificate she can see. The outer doors close first, squeaking faintly. Then the inner ones, sealing her in with this weird kid and the strange green light. Look, little girl, whoever you are, about Juliana. We were kids, okay? She stops for a moment, because the lights intensified, And she's just realized that Victoria is the source of the light. Or something she's holding is. It's a wooden box of some kind. One Karina hadn't noticed before. What's that? My music box. Victoria opens the little little, and the green light becomes a glow briefly, before an unfamiliar tune begins to play. She closes the lid, and the music softens, but doesn't stop. But I believe you were trying to say something. Yeah, about Juliana. Look, whatever she's told you, I know I wasn't always the kindest sister. But it's hard being twins, you know? And anyway, kids are mean. Victoria's lips thin as she studies the elevator's buttons, and a spasm of something crosses her face for just an instant before her expression resumes porcelain smoothness. Yes, I know. But you didn't let it stop there, did you? Seventh floor. She says the last two words almost absently, pushing a button. The car jolts and begins to move. Wait, 
What do you mean, seventh floor? This hospital doesn't have a seventh floor. Victoria gives her a long look. For you it does. She leans against the side of the car, watching the panel light up as they climb floors, slender arms crossed protectively over her music box. The five lights up. Then the six. Almost there. Tell me, Karina. Do you remember the butterflies? Of course, Karina remembers the damned butterflies. She'd laughed about it to herself for weeks just because it had been so simple. Fifth grade. They'd been ten, not yet eleven, and the six-week science project for their class had been collecting insects on foam board and labeling them correctly. Their teacher, Mrs. Wallace, had been clear about the rules. Exactly 50 bugs for an A, 40 to 49 for a B, and so on. Bonus points for collecting butterflies. Karina had dutifully scoured the yards in the neighborhood. A praying mantis, a grape-leaf skeletonizer off of the next-door neighbor's muscat vine, two species of ticks from her aunt's dog, three carefully caught wasps from the back porch. She'd built the bulk of her 50 insect collection on easily found specimens, on flies and beetles and the moths drawn by the porch light. Juliana, of course, had picked a few bugs from the backyard, but had begged their dad to take her butterfly hunting. So, it was off to the park in the zoological gardens, armed with a net and an identification book, with a box of half-pint mason jars stashed in the van. And by the time her foam board was full, she'd accumulated ten butterflies for her bottom row, including a few her parents had never seen before, all labeled in her neatest handwriting. Karina's chance had come on the day the assignment was due. They were 20 minutes early, trying to carefully wrangle their foam boards full of delicate cargo out of the van before everyone else showed up. When Mrs. Mullers from the PTA had come up to the front passenger window, Angelica, she'd said to their mom, can I have a quick word with Julie? It's about Girl Scouts. Juliana had just eased her insects out of the back seat and had frozen. Mom, I don't know. I need to take this to Mrs. Wallace. I'll take it. Karina shifted her backpack, dangling her own project from one hand. I can take both of them, Julie. You go ahead. Karina never got talked to about Girl Scouts. Mom, I don't know. Juliana frowned, biting her lip. But Mrs. Mullers cleared her throat impatiently, and Julie said, Okay, okay. Go ahead. She passed her foam board to her sister, shouting at her immediately retreating back. Be careful, Corey! And oh, Corina was indeed careful. Careful to go immediately to the girls' bathroom on the sixth grade hall, and quickly, steadily, use her house key to scrape the butterflies off Juliana's foam board and into a toilet. She peeled the little labels off with her nails, flushed the lot, washed her hands, and took the boards to their classroom. Mrs. Wallace didn't ask questions. She just counted bugs. Juliana had to settle for a bee and a scolding from their parents, and a withdrawal of the promised Girl Scouts membership. Karina, meanwhile, had just gloated quietly in her A. And that... Victoria's voice cuts into Karina's memory. That was worth hurting her somehow. Karina glances at her, then looks away. The tinkle from the music box is starting to grate on her nerves. You don't understand. We were identical. Supposed to be alike in every way. I busted my ass in school. I did the best I could. But Mom and Dad still insisted that Juliana was smarter. Juliana was more talented. I dropped a vase when I was three. And my mother called me too clumsy till the day she died. There's a dulcet note as they reach the seventh floor. And the elevator slowly glides to a stop. The doors open. First the inner, then the outer. Karina stares out into another long, sage-walled hallway. At the far end, she can see a door. The faintest hint of green light seeping out from beneath it. That's it, huh? This is it. You might want to start thinking about your apologies now, Karina. There's no reason to be beastly to your sister. 
Karina just shrugs her off and steps out. Speckled tile this time, not parquet or carpet. Girls are mean. It's easy. Besides, I was just keeping her humble. The hallway's longer than it looks, as though it's some kind of optical illusion. Victoria's firmly leading Karina by one hand, so Karina, not wanting to look ahead at the strangely lit door, not wanting to think about what shape her sister might be in, focuses her gaze on the tile floor. They'd had tile like this on the floor of the Sunday school classroom she and Juliana had shared at 12, when it was early December and time to make props for the annual Christmas play. Neither of them had attained the coveted role of the Virgin Mary. That had gone to the blonde girl who'd just moved to town, who was two grades ahead. So while the adults handled sewing the costumes, Juliana had been assigned to make glittery poster board wings for the play's three angels, of which she was one, while Karina, who hadn't been cast, had been handed a stack of white paper and a pair of kindergarten safety scissors and told to make snowflakes. There weren't any snowflakes in Bethlehem, she told herself sourly as she snipped centers and trimmed corners, wishing she'd been let do something with markers or pastels or even regular scissors instead. She offered to stay late that morning to clean up, earning herself a grateful smile from their teacher, Miss Bonaventura. Nobody else, not even perfect Juliana, wanted to volunteer to clean up all that excess glitter. It was all the chance she needed. The class agreed to meet the next Saturday to make sure they had everything they needed before Sunday night's rehearsal. Karina had arrived on her bike a few minutes ahead of her sister and had just settled into an empty classroom with some fresh poster board when Juliana burst in. Karina! We can't find my wings! Where are my wings? Karina just bent over her work, laying down carefully constructed swirls of glue, then applying glitter. Do I look like I've seen your stupid wings? I got stuck making snowflakes like a baby. I know you've seen them! I know you! Juliana grabbed the back of her chair and shook it hard. What did you do with my wings? It was almost a wail. Karina sighed theatrically and shoved her chair back, pushing Juliana out of the way. Okay, okay. I saw your stupid angel wings. I threw them away last Sunday when I was cleaning up. Threw them away? Juliana squeaked, then lunged to get a handful of Karina's hair. But her sister dodged her and pushed her away. Kari, damn it! I worked hard on those... God! She clapped a hand over her mouth, realizing she'd just sworn in a church building. Karina laughed and scooted her chair back up to the table. Sis, really? I did you a favor. Yours were crap anyway. Karina flipped her hair back and bent to her work again. I can make better ones. And did you? Karina stops to catch her breath. How long is this hallway? The creepy room doesn't look any closer, but when she glances back, she can't see the elevator. They got used. What can I say? Victoria gives her a hard, sidelong look. For an intelligent woman, you've been awfully petty. Karina shrugs. It's gotten me what I wanted. That makes it worthwhile. How much farther, anyway? Am I seeing my sister today? Victoria shrugs, too, mirroring her motion delicately. You still have things to talk about. Karina stops. Why? Why do I have to talk about anything? Your friend Tommy said Julie told you everything. (laughs) She did. Victoria answers brightly. And it will do you no end of good to hear yourself saying it. She bends down and plucks something from the floor. It's a lengthy, slightly crinkled strip of shiny gold plastic, torn from a pom-pom. Why don't you tell me about the cheerleading tryouts? Karina huffs. That, really was when things had maybe started getting out of hand. Maybe. (laughs) Why don't I? They were in the last two weeks of eighth grade when cheerleading tryouts took place. Karina was scheduled for one week, Juliana the next. The girls who got selected would make the team for their first year of high school. And the teenage prestige that came with being on the roster rivaled that saved for the football team. 
But there was no prestige when Karina fell off the top of a three-person pyramid and broke her ankle. There was just going to the ER for a cast and then going home to sulk. They were both up past their bedtime that night. Karina scribbled half-heartedly at her take-home American history exam, while Juliana giggled over her phone as she texted her friends about the upcoming week of tryouts. <laughs> this is gonna be great. Seriously. Karina looked up from her notebook to glare first at her cast, then at her sister. We've done everything together, and now you're trying out for cheer without me? Juliana put the phone down and rolled her eyes. Come on, Corey. You had an accident. I'm sorry it happened, and yeah, I'd rather be on the squad with you. But am I just supposed to put the rest of my life on hold now? We're about to be in high school. Then we're going to college. At some point, you've got to get out of my shadow. She thinks I'm holding her back, Karina realized, and it stung. She levered herself off the bed, wincing when her cast bumped the floor, and dragged herself across the room to Juliana's bed. She reached up and grabbed her sister's pajama bottoms, yanking, hearing pajamas and panties rip as she pulled Juliana onto the carpet. Maybe you want to be in my shadow for once, huh? Juliana's head bounced off the floor. Ow! Corey! What's wrong with you? You are! Do you know what it's been like spending my entire life hearing I'm not as good as you? Corey! That's not true! The hell it's not! Karina's hands curled into fists, and she slammed one into Juliana's shoulder. The soft, wet snap of bone seemed too loud. Bitch! That did it. Footsteps stomped up the stairs, and their mother slammed the door open, snarling. What is going on in here? The twins looked at each other and started to get up slowly. Uh, we were just... Karina began lamely. Tickle fighting. Juliana finished. One of you's got a broken ankle and you're tickle fighting? Angelica Lopez scoffed at her daughters as they retreated to their respective beds, Juliana doing her best not to rub her collarbone. What's wrong with you two? Finish your damned homework and go the hell to bed. She disappeared with another slam of the door. Karina reached down for her notebook, which had fallen on the floor. Juliana fiddled with her phone, one hand to her shoulder, sniffling. After a moment, she threw the phone down, rolled away from Karina to face the nearest wall, and yelped as she immediately regretted it. If I can't be on the cheer squad, neither will you. Juliana was silent for about ten seconds. Then, she sniffed loudly. I hate you. Karina just giggled and turned back to her history textbook. <laughs> I know. So, there's your story, Karina says sullenly. Though, truth be told, she still laughs inwardly at the memory of the next morning. How Juliana had pretended to be fine until she'd had to pick up her backpack. The screams she'd let out had been worth a few weeks of grounding. Do you want to hear more? Since it seems I'm trapped here all day. Trapped? Is that what you think? I'm offering you a chance to reflect, so you can do better. Think of it as a second chance, so you and your sister can make up. Because, believe me, you don't want to see the alternative. This doesn't even sound weird anymore. None of it. Not the odd little girl, not the spooky elevator, not even the gently glowing music box that's still playing softly. Karina sighs. <sighs> We got separate bedrooms after that. Locks on the doors. Didn't give me a chance to do much. For the first time in years, she realizes, she can hear regret in her own voice. Although... You're volunteering another story. That's a good sign. Victoria smiles encouragingly. And when Karina falls silent, the girl prompts. Although... Yeah. Suddenly... The door at the end of the hall seems closer, and Karina shivers. There was that one thing at the end of high school. Weird, Karina reflected, that her mother had to send her upstairs to fetch out her sister. Usually she was the oversleeping one, and Juliana was up by daybreak. Shrugging, 
she shouldered the bedroom door open without knocking. Hey, Lazy F, come on! We're gonna be late! Juliana lay still tangled in the sheets, making a pained noise. Corey, I need your help. My help? You! <laughs> you must be kidding. What's wrong with you? I need you to pretend to be me. To... to take my trick test. Juliana lifted her head enough to see Karina's incredulous look, then let it flop back. Don't look at me like that. I know we've never switched on our teachers before, but... I can't go. I've started. You know... Corey, I took six ibuprofen overnight, and I'm still cramping. I had to crawl to the bathroom. Karina wrinkled her nose. Jeez, Julie. Can't you just ask Mom for a hot water bottle or something? She opened the closet door and started picking through her sister's clothes. I mean, okay. You'd have to miss the first two classes or something, but you'd be alright by exam time. That requires moving. Juliana curled herself into a tighter knot on the bed and hissed between her teeth. And I'm not going to ask Mom to write a note to the principal telling him I missed class because of my stupid period. Everybody'd know. She tried to sit up and failed miserably, clutching at her lower belly. It's just a math test, okay? Even you can handle a math test. Oh, low blow. Karina plucked a gray blouse from its hanger, and turned to glare at her sister. Okay, say I do this. I change into your clothes after gym and go into your trick section and take your exam. What do I get out of it? Juliana writhed for a silent few seconds, then grated out. I'll take your English exam next week. I know I can ace that. Karina studied her, chewing her lower lip. The English exam was technically the final for her section. Mr. Petrelli was leaving before the end of the school year, some health issue or other. But she wasn't sure Juliana was aware of all the details. There's the essay that's due first. Juliana turned over, burying her face in her pillow. Subject? Something about Shakespeare? I don't have it all planned, I just have some notes down. Juliana swore into the pillow. Fine. Fine. I can't get out of bed, and I can't be valedictorian without an A on that math test. And for that, I need you. So exam, essay, which is it? Karina turned back to the closet and found the skirt that matched the blouse. Both. She watched her sister start to protest and cut her off. Oh no. You want to be valedictorian, right? And you want my help? You have to pay for it. Then what happened? Don't you know all of this? I bombed. Of course. Not entirely on purpose, either. We were in two different sections of the same trigonometry class. How was I supposed to know her teacher was three chapters ahead of mine? Karina grins nervously. All right, fine. We had the same damned textbook. I knew Julie worked ahead. I could have kept up and done better. But hey, my grades were good, too. Bumping Juliana out of the top spot was just putting myself in it. Victoria says nothing, but her gaze is positively withering. Karina shivers and looks away. I finally surpassed her. After all those years of trying. And it should have been enough. But it wasn't. It still wasn't. Victoria's music box isn't so much playing now as leaking notes at intervals. A soft, distorted dirge. Apparently not, because you could have let it end there, Karina. And you didn't. You could have stopped this at any time. There's this little thing called honesty. She takes the woman's hand, tugging her further down the hall toward the room at the end. The green light is leaking out all around the door now. I think it's time we talked about Eric. Karina winces. I'd rather not. Victoria studies her. Really? Why not? Because that... Is she choking up? That was the last time I saw her. Until now. 
And if Eric's possibly on his way, then... I don't have the faintest idea what to tell him. Hangs of conscience beginning to prick at you at last? There's a touch of acid in Victoria's voice, though her tone is gentle. They're close enough to the door now that either of them could reach out and touch it, and the girl makes an impatient gesture. Eric, if you please. Eric. He and Juliana had met in their first year of college. He was rangy and raw-boned, with a permanent tan and a shock of black hair. A cattleman's son from out of state, first in his family to attempt anything beyond high school. Karina had disliked him on sight. So had their parents. So Juliana, of course, had fallen in love. Two days after their graduation, Juliana was pacing her bedroom at 12 in the afternoon. With a folder of paperwork on her dresser, and a suitcase open on her bed. She turned to Karina, who was leaning in the doorway, watching with a smirk, and asked, Is Dad still asleep? (laughs) It's Dad. He's drunk. He'll sleep till dinner. Mom won't be home from her garden club thing till four. She picked up the folder and glanced through the contents. Driver's license, social security card, birth certificate, passport. So... You're really going through with this, huh? I just need to get a few things packed. Not much. Juliana sat on the edge of her bed and twisted the engagement ring on her finger, the one she'd hidden from her parents. I can't wait for them to approve, Corey. It has to be now. We have to be in Toledo before Monday so Eric can start his new job. Her twin laughed at that. (laughs) I still can't believe you turned a cowboy into a marketing genius. But Karina caught her sister's hand, staring at her fingers. Good God, you're shaking. I'm so nervous. I don't, I don't know what to pack. I can't concentrate. I... Hey, hey, chill. Karina got up and opened the closet door. Look, you need a Valium? Mom left her purse. I... yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Juliana put her face in her hands for a moment, breathing deeply. Then, Corey, do you think you could help me pack? I know you hate me, but you're all I have right now. Till Eric gets here anyway. He was coming by to get her at two. Karina forced a smile out of her scowl. I don't hate you, dumbass. You just piss me off all the time. It's what sisters are for. Hold tight. Karina found the volume in her mom's purse right enough. But when she reached in to replace the bottle, she encountered another. Curious, she pulled it out. Ambien. Perfect. She shook out two. When she returned to the room with the Valium in one hand and a glass of orange juice in the other, Juliana was sitting on the bed again, twisting her hands together. But at least she'd made a little progress. There were three shirts and two pairs of jeans in the suitcase. What took you so long? Uh, And you know I hate orange juice. Karina shrugged. The tap water looked rusty. Besides, I had to get the vodka from the liquor cabinet, and Dad kept mumbling like he was waking up. I had to be careful. Juliana looked up with her mouth full of orange juice. She'd already swallowed the Valium. Vodka? You put vodka in this? Just a teaspoon, Julie. Don't have a fit. Putting the bottle back was the hard part. No. Actually, crushing the Ambien had been the hard part. The makeshift screwdriver was just an attempt to mask the taste. Go on, drink your juice. The vitamin C is good for stress. Karina moved back to the closet, picking up clothes with no objection from her sister. Thinking I hate you. (laughs) Uh, So what? Cowboy's gonna drive up in his farm truck and you're gonna climb out the window? That got an actual laugh from Juliana. Oh, God, no. I don't want to break anything else. She gave Karina a meaningful look, set the empty glass on the dresser, and came to lean over her sister's shoulder. Grab my black pumps, would you? I'm not wasting space with too many shoes. I'll just take those and what I have on. Oh, and get that black tank top with the floral print, too. Karina just did as she was told. Put those in the suitcase and let me grab socks. You'll need socks. Fifteen minutes later... When the suitcase was half full, 
Juliana sat down on the bed heavily. Ugh. I don't feel good. What's wrong? Karina stepped over, touching her forehead. Don't know. Juliana shook her head and nearly fell over. Just tired. Weird. It's the Valium, plus all the adrenaline in your system. You know, I should hate you. I'm the one being left to explain this to Mom and Dad. She glanced at the clock, not even one yet, and patted Juliana on the shoulder. Julie, just put your head back, okay? I know how to pack clothes. But don't worry, I got this. You get a nap, I'll wake you up as soon as Eric shows. Oh, you're the best. She leaned forward and hugged Karina clumsily. You're the best. I forgive you. I forgive you for everything. She lay back. Five minutes later, she was snoring. Karina watched her for a few seconds, then scooped up the folder of documents and tucked it into the suitcase. She zipped the case, and Juliana didn't react to the noise. Eric pulled into the driveway at 1.45. Karina bent to the bed, drew the engagement ring off Juliana's finger, and slipped it on her own. Of course, it fit perfectly. Then grabbed the suitcase and headed toward the stairs, the front door, and then on to Toledo. And he's never known. Karina shakes her head. He's never known. And he calls you by her name. Why wouldn't he? And I hate it. Karina puts her hand on the doorknob at last. She stares at the floor, saturated with green light spilling out from under the door. So, this is it? I just go in. You just go in. What happens after that is up to you. Karina opens the door and steps inside. And everything changes at once. The emerald light diffuses, sinking into the dull sage of the walls. She glances at her phone. Only 15 minutes have passed since she entered the hospital. How's that possible? She'd spent hours in that hallway, surely. She glances back at Victoria. The girl has slipped into the room behind her, tucking herself into the shadows behind the door. The music box has slowed to infrequent notes now, blending in with the low beeps of the machines. So many machines. So many tubes and wires. Heart monitor. Oxygen mask. Bandages. Saline. Blood. Karina leans over the bed to get a look at Juliana's face, and the sight makes her heart clog her throat. There's blood crusted around Juliana's nostrils, and a thin line of black sutures across her forehead. The door squeaks open. Karina cringes, expecting her husband. But it's just another nurse, checking all the readings and making notes on a napkin. You can? She asks, talking right over Juliana's body, not looking at Karina at all. Don't know about this one. Heard it's her third or fourth DUI. Finally caught up to her. Never was the same after her folks died and her sister ran off. Still, what can you do? The nurse finishes scribbling and walks out, thumping the door shut. Karina doesn't touch Juliana. Not yet. She's too busy studying the EKG and all the equipment, automatically wondering what to disconnect. Pushing the thought from her mind is an effort. I caused this. I caused this. Didn't I? Yes! Victoria whispers back, and Juliana opens her eyes. You came. You called. Karina tries to smile, but tears leak from her eyes instead. How could I not? Juliana nods. She's drifting. Her eyes close, and the sharp spikes of her EKG begin to soften. Karina jumps up and shakes her. You're not dying on me, damn it! You forgave me, Juliana! You said you forgave me! Breathe! You said... Take care of things. Juliana speaks without opening her eyes. You lied. So can... Can I? 
She takes a breath with an effort, making the line of her EKG spike high, and opens her eyes, staring Karina in the face. You never liked to share. Someone knocks on the door, and it opens before Karina can answer. It's Eric, his suit rumpled and rain-streaked. There's no sign of Victoria, and Karina realizes the music has stopped entirely. She's on her own. Eric. Eric. Juliana echoes. Karina? He looks between the two of them, wild-eyed. My God, Cor... Juliana? His gaze shifts to his wife. Juliani. Julie, why aren't you saying anything? Karina reaches to grasp Juliana's hand, watching her sister's ECG slump and flatten. She takes a deep breath and doesn't look at her husband. Eric, there's something I need to tell you. by writing a short review of the show in iTunes and leaving me some gold stars. It helps others to find their way here too. I like gold stars. Can I have lots? Pretty please? Leave me stars and reviews at itunes.victoriaslift.com <laughs>